Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Welcome to filmandtvreview.com. Catch the latest film, TV and streamed show reviews every week. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and those providing comments are theirs alone. They do not reflect the views, opinions or position of film and tvreview.com or their respective parent companies or affiliates. Film and tvreview.com makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information in this program and is for entertainment purposes only. Episodes may contain adult humor and language. For full terms and conditions see filmandtvreview.com. Hello there, and welcome to another Film and TV uh, special. And this one's on a long-running franchise, um, Indiana Jones, um, which has had uh, about five films now. I mean, well, of course, the latest one, Enjoy the Dawn of Destiny, has come out this year, or just quite recently. Um, of course, this all started back in 1981 with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, no, with uh, Harrison Ford as the lead. And I think it was really born out of... Uh, creative uh, idea from George Lucas, uh, tossing around ideas with uh, his pal uh, Steven Spielberg on a beach. I think he was trying to take a bit of a holiday after Star Wars outbreak, let's say. And he was throwing around an idea for a James Bond, I think, character. Well, I think the story is that maybe Steven Spielberg had wanted to do a director, James Bond. However, uh, the producers had turned him down. So Lucas said, well, I, I may have a better idea. So, uh, Indiana Jones was born, kind of a worldwide adventurer, based on the uh, red, uh, you know, the public, red, well, the kind of like serials or TV series of fourteens, and and um, it's kind of a retro film, really. But in 1981, it probably turns out to be one of those landmark films, and, and quite honestly, a favorite in everyone's hearts. So, uh, gathered around a few of the hosts who uh, regulars who who've actually sure have seen it and grown up with it of course so um I, let's go around the room i thought let's have our thoughts on basically we'll start off going in order about Lusark. and if you haven't seen in this film it'll be a good chance for you to just get there and why we like it so much i'm a fan myself um see i'm um, andrew hi andrew i i'm i'm pretty sure this film let's say we start raiders in 1981 i think it came out um steven spielberg directed um it is Classic. Well, what's your thoughts on uh, 
on Raiders? What does it how does it dare to your heart this particular film? Uh, I mean, for me personally, I'm trying to remember it now because I've seen so many franchises since then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things where even though it wasn't original, original, I mean, it, there were ideas from like Tintin and other uh, pulp material that kind of inspired it. Uh, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, all these films that you have come out since then are like, oh yeah, that's so much like Raiders or this or that. And long story short, I uh, saw the most recent one in um, something called Alamo Draft House. There's a chain of cinemas in the US and before they show the main feature or even the trailers, when you walk into the cinema, they start showing all these shorts and other things themed to where the film is. And they were showing trailers for films from the 80s that seemed to be like also knockoffs of, of Raiders, of like Treasure of the Four Crowns and other things like that. Uh, can't even remember what other stuff. Like just all these like action, adventure uh, or like the 80s version of Alan Quartermain, even though Alan Quartermain was something that existed before that, it was just this idea of bringing it back in the 80s was sort of like, oh, well, people like Indiana Jones or like Raiders, let's do like a, an action film where the guy is kind of like this regular, you know, this says he's an archaeologist, but we don't see him as much of a scientist guy. He's just more of like this guy who just finds himself in all these situations of having to fight like Nazis or other bad people. And it's just like a fun kind of thrill ride. And it's not uh, impossible to see why it inspired uh, theme park attractions at Disney, even before they took over the franchise, uh, like whether at Disneyland or Disneyland Paris. Uh, I think the one in Disneyland is a little bit more immersive. Disneyland Paris is more like- Yeah, Disneyland is a ride. Disney World is a show. Disney Paris is just a roller coaster, no real theme. And then Disney Tokyo is like the Disneyland ride. Yeah. Yeah, like a more immersive, yeah. So it's it's, uh, it's just a fun kind of ride thing, Uh, whether it's the car chases or the, I mean, I guess I'll touch on this in Temple of Doom, the scene through the mines, Uh the mine car. So, yeah, it's just something light to see. Um, and in this case, it's, uh, you know, looking for a religious relic. But uh, it could just be any MacGuffin, you know, and just have them search for it and face off against baddies, you know, that kind of thing. I think there's a kind of a line in um, thinking maybe um, there's, a, there's a show uh, which said that uh, maybe, uh, you know, Jones doesn't actually have, in, in Raiders, doesn't actually have any effect on the final outcome. Of the, of the movie, what would happen? Of course, it's the um, this is, I think based in sorry, 1936. I think it's basically is that it's in a race to find uh, the Ark of the, the Covenant. Ark of Covenant. Yeah. And I think uh, we've, uh, of course, there is some kind of like threads of uh, rumors and tales of say um, Adolf Hitler looking or having being obsessed with um, occult objects. Of power, and of course, this the the uh, Ark of the Covenant is supposed to have broken tablets of the Ten Commandments, and in there, you know, quite power, whatever it is, and uh, I mean, and it's basically quite a few spills and kind of like cliffhangers and kind of basically what those TV shows were series were very much literally cliffhangers with each episode or an episode would end with our hero in peril maybe going off a cliff and then what happens next week we find out oh he made it or take it um 
So, but but in the end of this film, he basically it does end up in their hands to begin with, and it and I think the arc itself tends to take care of business in itself. It kind of like destroys anyone who actually comes across it, and it, it's a like, well, it doesn't really make a difference whether Indy got to it first or or, or not. It kind of like it ends kind of oddly circular, um, but. Probably that's not the whole point of it. The whole point is basically the adventure and the ride and quite a lot of, I mean, a strong lead by I mean, Harrison Ford. Um, um, I, I, I kind of, like even running originally, was going to be uh, obviously Tom Selleck, like he was going to be um, the favourite. But he oh, yeah, the, uh, I think they showed a screen test of uh, Tom Selleck. Yes. This was one of the things they showed before uh, the main feature uh, at Delma Drafthouse was uh, this documentary that Steven Spielberg <laughs> had done later on and sort of like, showing clips from before of all the screen tests of Tom Selleck and how that was going to work out. But then, as Spielberg said, History Now tells us, uh, Tom Selleck became the lead in this TV program, Magna P.I., so he kind of went with that. And so uh, eventually they wound up with Harrison Ford playing. I don't think he could get out of that contract because he was already signed under it. And I, I mean, obviously Tom Selleck wanted to obviously have a great, you know, a, a film role like that, and and with Spielberg, obviously, so what actor wouldn't? But uh, fate had other plans, and I'm kind of glad actually. There's there's not. I mean, if you look at Harrison Ford's career, he he's he's made uh made these kind of very maybe archetypal, almost cliche heroes, or let's say Han Solo or Indy or Deckard, where it's kind of like they now obviously they've been revisited, but it, it it's a bit of a alchemy to make it almost relatable to a modern audience even if it's the you know 80s or 90s or so forth so, uh, there's there's a charm there or there's a every man kind of like sensibility there that just the Harrison has it in space he's one of those last film screen idols actually which we we don't not we're not really in the age of screen idols anymore, but he, and even even then in the 80s veering off from that he, he is one of them um anyone else had seen in Raiders of Lost Ark in this room. Uh, Alfonso, have you seen it or anyone else? I saw it when I was really young. My parents took me to see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I think that movie kind of motivated uh, a change from PG to PG-7 or PG-13 in America because like the, the creation of PG-13 or something like that, <clears throat> because it was a PG movie where a heart gets taken out of a body and that kind of impacted people. I think I, I've read that. I don't know if it's true. And and I was very young, and I remember that, yeah, that was an impactful scene. But I really enjoyed it. And I thought for a long time that that was the, the first movie in the franchise until I discovered in my teenage years that there was <laughs> this one, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Dark. And and I watched it. And I mean, I... I I have a special place in my heart for Temple of Doom, but that, 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 this one was very good too. I really enjoyed it. And I thought, as you said, that it was strange in the end how Indiana doesn't save the day really, but the, the Ark gets control of the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, it's um, very, um, I mean, it's very, I mean, you've got some really good leads, obviously, a, a, a very strong uh, leading uh, lady plays uh, Marion 
Ravenwood, and the actress is God of Game, but uh, she's um, yeah, Karen Allen. Karen Allen, thanks. She's uh, definitely, I think, one of those almost perfect strong leads where you're not telegraphing it. She's actually holds her own. She has a natural, almost tough bravado to her, who's kind of right straight off the bat, quite an equal to him. To 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 you think what a perfect couple in that and it's very hard quite honestly when you think can count on your hand how many strong leading lady I would say she's almost a co-leading lady in this because it's kind of a banter between both of them and it's almost like equal the lines the dialogue between she's not you know obviously there are points where she is a bit of a damsel distress but basically she does they're both in peril honestly they kind of save each other almost but it's a great great pairing and it is I'd say I mean of the we originally talk about the original trilogy, obviously, but it's uh, probably the most whole or, you know, perfect body of a film in itself, as in a beginning, middle and end. You could yeah. end it there almost. But yeah. uh, like I said, I, I maybe I, I have a favourite in this, the sequel. Is, I, well, like I said, like, like you, Afonso, I probably saw Temple of Doom fully first and then went back to this. <laughs> and then after saying, oh, okay. But, um, uh, Noel, obviously you, you caught up this film I mean when did you first see it on DVD? Um, I think I first saw it when I was like seven or eight years old I was a, no I was in first grade for first grade I was dressed up as Indiana Jones I love him very much I was obsessed with it we got the DVD three pack at Costco and I was just obsessed with it Temple of Doom was my favorite growing up I now think this one's my favorite um, I just remember Harrison Ford being so badass and so sexy, of course. Um, and then Marion, she's cool. She's not just screaming. She's doing things. And just these kind of captivating villains. They want the truth, even though they're horrible Nazis, obviously. Um, but it's just such an interesting story. And I feel like a lot of movies nowadays are 20 minutes too long and you can't tell what's going on action-wise. But this is how you make an action movie. It's a good movie that happens to be an action movie. And that's what I think makes it so good. But growing up, I love Indiana Jones. Like, I still have a ton of Indiana Jones stuff. I'm going to bring some of it to Comic-Con to get signed. I've seen every movie many, many times. I grew up dressing, like, always having... I've had, like, four Indiana Jones hats because I go through them and I destroy all of them. I have my original satchel, but Indiana Jones to me was better than Star Wars growing up. I still think it is because the first three are so good, you know, but I still think it just stands the test of time because it's a good movie and it's an action movie and a lot of people are doing their own stunts and it's all very good. And the music is amazing. I think the first one literally has like no flaws. It is very, very good and impressive and everything. And I still think it's very nostalgic, yet it's still good. So I think it's like a perfect movie. I, I I would agree with you. Even though I probably, my heart of hearts, uh, no pun intended, probably do like Temple of Doom, or rather I watch it more. I, yeah. I kind of, I do appreciate this is probably the perfect, the superior movie, just as, uh-huh. just in its structure and everything like that. Uh, yeah. We'll come to Temple of Doom in a minute, but uh, I'll mention obviously what makes this film on half of it or is, is definitely John Williams. Scored yeah. it. I mean, obviously, he, he spawned out probably that whole era of golden, you know, Hollywood or during that period where you obviously Star Wars and Jaws, Superman, of course, but mm-hmm. yeah. Raiders to that also a very it, tri- triumphant. 
It is the golden era of John Williams, basically. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he's a genius. <laughs> I don't know if I, I cannot say for sure if Steven Spielberg is like a bona fide genius. Maybe he is, but I can say that for sure that John Williams is a genius. <laughs> I, I would say that, yeah. I mean, for the, for the just, it's no fluke a bit, but somehow of all the career and every film, he just brings, I mean, you, you can just close your eyes and you can visualize scenes when you just hear his score. And and it, and it is a score. It's not just a theme. Kind of like every single character has their own particular theme. There's the love theme between uh, Marion and, and uh, Indy and, and, and like the march with the villains. I almost have the right hand. Um, uh, Lindsay, did you raise your hand? You yeah. Your, yes, would you want yeah. to say? No, because I, I, I remember going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark as a kid. Um I've got to be honest, the first time I saw it, um, it freaked me out at the end with the way the Nazis' uh, faces were disintegrated by the arc. I mean, I'm surprised at the time that it didn't have any kind of PG rating on it. And in fact, I even remember seeing it. I don't know if there's any if any of this happened to you guys at school, like on the last day of term, they put on a movie, you know. And they did this at school when I was in primary school, and I must have still only been about seven. And they put the dark, and it just freaked the hell out of me. Because well, don't worry, you're not a Nazi, so you're not going to die. It's fine, right? That is true. As well, yeah, as but, but in the end, screen. said you have to close your eyes because if you, you have to close your eyes, yeah. I, I think they did the same to me. I think it was just at school, and then that part came in, and the teacher said, "Oh, I, I didn't." It was a oh, you didn't expect that. Then I mean, like she was, but uh, it, um, the effects. Well, I'm going to say, well, obviously it's. Um, some great lighting effects with industrial light and magic. I mean, just come the spectacle. Clearly done that. Superb. And, but obviously, a lot of um, dummy prosthetics. It is yeah. the age. You can tell ketchup and mayonnaise or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they literally do melt in front of you. They, um, <laughs> it is a, um, before, of course, the age of the CG uh, in 1981, but quite a different peak in those skill sets so it's mod it's pyrotechnics um, there's a physicality this to i think maybe most if not well definitely in the trilogy there's a physicality still there where it's it is more than it is physical stunt work and mm. pyrotechnics and that kind of gives it this timeless quality that affects age so fast you now within months quite honestly if you see and but here because it, it it's, it's almost as close to the natural uh, world as as you can with effects it's uh, kind of timeless and sits at 94 setting but yeah yeah like you said no it, it, it's a great story it just happens to have a lot of action in it but it's not an action film it is just happens because it, it is so much going on but you have a great story stunts for the movies except in the second one we're not talking about that yet but the fight yeah. scene where he throws the guy over his back he hurt his back for months so that's why he stopped doing a lot of his own stunts because that's a liability so and he was also in his 40s doing it which is fine but doing that every day it's not the same thing as a 40 year old going to the gym so <laughs> but uh yeah um but yeah definitely it's it is one of those if you're just you know, a student of film of uh, directing, editing, <laughs> uh, writing, just take your pick. This is when you were honestly um, how to make a, a very pitch perfect blockbuster film. It's quite, and quite not a huge budget, even for that time. Uh, Spielberg had to, he was off the back of 19, which had got a budget. So he kind of did this almost to prove a point that I will give you a very tight, and I think he. 20 million, which is about 40 million in today's money. So. <laughs> 
it is um and it just shows how tight it is with the of the editing. I think you've got I, I think this is where you can see Spielberg's strength in his editing, his act how he deals with action, tension. He basically I mean he's obviously is was the whiz kid there, uh almost at the peak of his powers, but it, of course he he can he can dial it in any way he wants to. Uh, this one quite absolutely just tight how you do action, how you see suspense is all. Right, but that was like that was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, this was born out because uh, of the success, brought out the uh, sequel, which was uh, yeah, Enjoying the Timber of Doom. I think that's 1984. I would say definitely this is for a lot of people a, somehow a favorite, or or at least it's you get the strongest iconography of Jones from these from scenes. It's it's when it kind of like this is when it kind of really solidified that the, a pop culture character mm. that will be on lunchboxes and this is ignites it in kids um i was just curious about our members here when they saw it what the, what their impression of it was i i've mentioned that your first exposure uh quite quite scary also but yeah also in the uk is the first time we got this uh PG-13 was the second film to actually film. Yeah, same with us in America. This and Gremlins too, which I, isn't that also Spielberg? Or he he that produced that? it. Yeah, I mean, it was what inspired the uh, PG-13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, 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 because of all the darkness and the... I, I actually saw it recently. Again, I watched all these not too long ago, but I, the effects age really well. I think even better than Raiders, um, the blood drinking and everything, we get some of Harrison's acting ability. Like I said, this is my favorite one growing up. And I think it's it's just, it's very fun and creative. Fun fact, the Maharaja boy is actually, that's not the kid's voice. It's a girl's voice. Because uh, I guess the kid was older and they wanted a young voice. So, but I thought it was very interesting. The bug scene and everything. I hate bugs. So that freaked me out. That was actually not a real set, technically. That was basically a cardboard box painted to look all dark. And then they would dump all these bugs onto um Spielberg's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these bugs. Kick Capshaw, yeah, yeah. And um to relax, she took a bunch of muscle relaxing pills to not freak out, which I'm like same. Um also the song she sings at the beginning, Anything Goes. I had no idea that was an Indiana Jones movie. I thought they put in the wrong movie or something. But that song, Anything Goes, was written when the movie takes place. But when translated from Mandarin to English, it's the 84 version of the song, not the original version. So I did that song as an audition song. Fun fact, I can speak Mandarin slightly because of that. But I love the beginning fight scene in Shanghai. And they actually filmed part of it in Shanghai. Um, Short Rounds, of course, really cool. Everyone loved him. I'm kind of indifferent to him. I think, um, uh, what's his name? John Reese davies character, Salah, is a cooler sidekick. But I know why people like him. I didn't find Willie Scott too annoying. I feel like that's how most of us would act if we were in an Indiana Jones movie. We would be freaking out. Yeah, there she is before she got all that bad plastic surgery and her face turned into like a this kind of. I mean, we're not bad mouthing Kate Capshaw. We love her. We love her. Um, but I'm glad to see uh, Ki Hong Kwan get a, a re, you know resurgence in his acting career. Um, I thought the movie was very cool, very ahead of its time. Some people find it offensive, but apparently it was made to be offensive, to be like, this is how Americans actually believe stereotypes about India are. Like, they, like Americans can't tell that it's a joke kind of thing. Um, so some people don't like it for that reason, but I think it's a very interesting movie. Um, and the guy who played Mola Ram was apparently very famous in, in uh, 
filmmaking in his own country. So I think that's really cool to take an iconic actor from that country and put it in this movie. The villains are very interesting in, in this, but they're not Nazis. So a lot of elements from this were added to the Indiana Jones attraction because of that. But I still think it's really good. I think the pacing is a little wonky, but I think the special effects have aged better, except for the CGI at the end when it goes from the mine cave to um, the water. You can tell it's CGI and like claymation. But other than that, it, it's I think it's aged generally better. Also, the plane crash at the beginning, I think it's like one of the coolest scenes. So very good movie. <laughs> Stephanie more leading towards the action series um, now, and maybe you kind of feel ah, this is more action than story. Almost certainly towards the uh, latter half, but that mm-hmm. uh, it does almost towards the climax. There is their mine uh, a uh, mine shaft scene, or where they have, there's their kind of like their mining. I mean, the story basically is it's again another artifact, which is a Shankara stone, which is kind mm-hmm. of epic. But after it, I suppose taken a bit loosely from mythology or a bit, a bit, a bit screenwriting liberties, actually. But um, it's kind of like powers which kind of like brings good goodness and kind of strength to a uh, village and well being. But then uh, because these are sought out by, of course, yeah, it's more of the uh, the old uh, the Raj and maybe the the uprising of a, an old fuggy oh. Hindu cult, which which were actually I think mainly just. A bunch of thieves, really, in reality. But here they've become a bit more occult, um, leaning towards Kali. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the there. Um, it is, um, but it is. I mean, as from from that cultural background, I I didn't find it offensive. It was just quite great to actually see him in a different culture, exploring it, knowledgeable. He, mm-hmm. I mean, for him, you know, the character himself is just very knowledgeable about customs and history and it's just great to see it on screen he i i don't think it needs to be uh, offensive it's only maybe someone else's party their viewpoint that oh it must be offensive it, it's really not i think it plays it re- really well um and it's great it's, it just it, it i think it just shows it's covered kind of like such a globe trotting global adventure that this mm. is um I mean, you're touching quite a few cultures. I did like the, as you say, the uh, the beginning scene in um, Shanghai, mm-hmm. where it's a club Obi Wan, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I love that. But it's kind of like he's in a, he comes down in, in a in a tux, so it's kind of like very much a nod to James Bond. So you can see it does kind of like get my meaning inside. Also, the um, music throughout the entire movie, I think this is better music than Raiders. I know that, and any, oh, in, yeah. I know that's an unpopular opinion. It's also used the most at the Disney parks. Maybe that's why I like it. But every like. I guess are mostly action scenes. It's so good though. The music is so good. Like I, I think every like you you only know you could have know uh, Willie's theme, you know, short rounds theme. Huh. And actually there's basically there's quite a scene in obviously uh where it's in the there's a rescue. Obviously they get they get involved in this cult. They try to rescue some kids from this from this from mining these uh, Shankara stones. Uh, which, uh, but there's, it, it does kind of like when they start their escape, and you've got a fight sequence simultaneously with a short round and yeah. Indy and uh, and even uh, Willie, who's kind of like just joining in. Yeah. Uh, but each cuts between the theme between each and the camera pans between all three, and it's kind of like it, it's music and how it's strongly identified and how good John Williams is in giving each character uh, a soundtrack theme to it. So there's. Musical cues, where there's no talking, a lot of it is action towards probably 
you know, the last 20 minutes. Um, it, it's it's action, but it's not huge dialogue, but it's it's part of that dialogue is uh, by John Williams. They broke a real bridge, by the way. I don't know if it was a full-size oh, bridge, yeah. but they did break a bridge. They had to build it, and and, 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 and uh, the mannequins look really good. I mean, I think it was the first time where they were able to have moving parts as in limbs. So when they cut yeah. it, it actually looks very good. When you Because I re- recently just watched it, and it's like, oh, you can't actually tell. It looks I, like, wow, this is really... Real. Yes. Um, it's... Uh, but uh, yeah, and anyone else? Um... Sorry, I also like the line when he's about to cut it and he says, it's like something about Kai in hell or something. Kaima, like I'll see, we'll see you in hell, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was so funny. <laughs> Again, it is a huge, you know, this is one, a lot of the pictures and all the drawing, you know, like posters and all that. This is when it really become pop culture. And I think House of Falls has never been in better shape than this one. I think he mm-hmm. totally, he worked out scenes of behind the scenes what do you think of of course it's a bit of a, a, a kind of a gear shift with um Kate Capshaw as a more of a much more of a damsel in distress but a different character and, and you almost feel, find it almost annoying compared to when you had um you know the uh, Marion Ravenwood character uh, at least she's not a Nazi um, yeah that's what we say about politicians too nowadays at least they're not a Nazi so yeah. like the uh, next one Elsa spoiler <laughs> for the third one spoilers uh cj you raise your hand you've got your thoughts on temple of the doom uh yeah um let me just put my hand uh, um yeah uh, um i guess i kind of was late to the indiana jones party i mean in terms of like i never watched them as a kid but i did watch them kind of my late teens there and yeah after watching them i kind of got it like i understood like why these were popular and like it's pulpy action adventure film with a bit of comedy and stuff in there and also a little like a little supernatural elements in there which are not fully explained and it's sort of just like a little it, they give you enough for you to be amazed and enough to sort of be like oh be mysterious about it but yeah temple of doom um is not my it's not my top indiana jones film it's not my favorite film but it does have my favorite scene which is the bridge the bridge scene where it's like indy is running and then they're cut off from both sides. And it's sort of like one of those, it's very few movies where like I'm watching it, I'm just kind of thinking, okay, what's he going to do? Because this is almost like, it feels like a borderline impossible scenario to get out of, you know, because um, in most films you could probably think like, oh, there's a, oh, there was a character who said he was going to get, get help. So he's going to come back, you know, and help them out. But in this scene, it's like, well, what's he going to do? And then he, like, you know, he cuts the, the rope of the bridge and stuff. And then, yeah, it, it's just one of my favorite film, like, favorite scenes in a movie. And, and yeah, I really, I really liked it. And, yeah, I think, I know a lot of people don't like the Temple of Doom. I want to say it's probably my third of third favorite of the original trilogy. Um, but, yeah, just that bridge scene, I feel like, is top, top scene of, like, all of, of, of all the Indiana Jones films. I, I think it was not even that well liked by uh, those making or Steven so it wasn't too fond of it coming right. He found it, it was quite dark and, and I think Luke was going through a divorce at the time so he said he was in a dark place and he kind of channeled that through his film and yeah. it, 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 it is darker but some of the set scenes are the ones that you you, you remember. You think, give me a set scene from Indiana Jones and then it, it's more or less you're going to take it from this movie. It, it's those set, set pieces that really stand out and um it is um it's probably why i probably i rewatch it more than the 
than anything. If it's on TV, I, I know I watch this part because you don't have to watch the whole movie. You can just watch this. I remember this scene and that that part. I think the yeah. minecart chase was supposed to be in the in the first one, but they didn't have time. So this is why it came into this. But uh, I think it, yeah, I think solidified as a globe trotting. Benji was definitely uh, you know a, a world culture that he kind of kind of like looked at. He just opened up opened up to to the world it wasn't just and uh, even if people find it like inaccurate the ark of the covenant isn't accurate either nor is like none of these things it's like the family it's like family guy you know where it's nothing is a hundred percent you know it's everyone everyone is game um the actual ark of the covenant if you look at it while it's open not even closed just the golden part you will also die and people claim to actually have it somewhere in the middle east i'm not willing to do that adventure so um yeah, <laughs> but uh, in this realm, yes, it's. Uh, I, I think I do like that. At least for the first three films, mostly you had the supernatural element, but you didn't quite. It's kind of like there's a lot of belief that you have to meet halfway through to say that it is an actual supernatural element. Or, or mm. Yeah, so it's kind of like not. It doesn't. It takes you so far, but then it. Pulls it doesn't back convert enough. you into that religion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of like okay, you don't have to believe it's like. It, there could be something there, but he doesn't. Then he kind of pulls back, and uh, and it's um, but it's uh, yeah, I, 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 it's a good movie. Um, I mean, honestly, these these the, the, the trilogy, these first three films are you know from such a you know a, a wondrous uh, trilogy. Of course, um, there was the final crack of the whip in nineteen eighty nine with. Um, the second sequel was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, again, how do you, you know, top or even equal or not disappoint these two previous installments? And, and that that's a hard act to follow. I think I think this film, yes, came out in '99. Again, we're returning back to the um, Christian of of law and uh, and myth and, and religion. Obviously, the holy grail of Jesus. Jesus' blood was was uh, taken when he was crucified and. So to take, well, I think he's a bit more liberty here. It was like to grant eternal life to those who drink it. Again, that's more of a screenwriting kind of like era. But again, we're back to Nazis and... uh, And and, even that happens. Yeah, they're kind of like on on safer territory. I think purposely they wanted to veer back, almost a reaction to Temple of Doom, to veer back to to safer territory. And definitely it resonated more with Spielberg, obviously. I think this time is obviously he's joined by uh, his dad which is so they had a 10-year age gap by the way those two so wear sunscreen everyone (laughs) it's um yeah it is very much uh i think this film just probably it it, it's helps it believable (laughs) helps it get over the line of of that quality where because you've got sean connery you're almost thinking yeah this is probably the third crack of the whip, you're thinking, well, what, what would you, can you do with this? And it is, it is a great performance by uh, Sean Connery, honestly. It, um, I mean, it's, it's a well-written script. It's um, both, you know, he's not just a funny daddy, kind of like you can see, you know, elements of what strong character he is. But a very comedic role, actually, for sure. Um, CJ, I'm guessing this is your favourite one, or uh, is it Raiders? Um, I'm going to say this is my favourite one. It's just it's a good send off. It's um it it's it's a it's a good adventure, it's good action, like um the tank sequence when he's battling the tanks, like you know, um 
I, Sean Connery as his dad, it's just their dynamic is really interesting. And I like how like, they butt heads, but they still really care for each other. Um, it's also funny, like the, the no ticket scene on the blimp that is just yeah, hilarious. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> and, and yeah, it, 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 it's just, it's just a solid film. And I feel like the, the last crusade just the title itself just just tells like you know what they were going i think i'm not i don't know the history of the films but i think this was supposed to be the last one like they're done with it and they're yeah. not going to make any more so it makes perfect sense for them to kind of just ride off into the sunset you know um and yeah i think it, it's a it's it, you know this is a really good film and um i think it's uh spielberg and lucas at the yeah i got some of their best yeah Again, yeah, some great sequences. And that tank, obviously, uh, uh, Nazis are going after the Grail and it's race against them to actually uh, get this artifact. But it is a, that tank sequence, you know, definitely, you think, well, how can you really top some of the really great scenes, you know, some of the best scenes in cinema is was born out of those first two films? Um, this one really does it with the tank sequences. And again, it's that physicality, a great uh, bit of force showmanship by either his Batman or even uh, Harrison Ford. I think he was quite, quite attached to that uh, horse and wanted to take it back with him, but he couldn't. It was proved too expensive, but it was um, a, a huge jump from the tank, from the, from the horse to the tank and then fighting. It's very, he still had it, brought it there. I mean, obviously, as you say, it's only 10 years different between Sean Connery. Um, yeah, um, uh, Harrison Ford really brings it and, and it ends it really well. Um, Andrew, you, you've got hand raised you this is a fun one of yours so. yeah i mean i liked it uh, because of taking some stuff from the beginning but also adding some new stuff so uh you mentioned uh sean connery and uh you know adding that element of the of uh, indy's father but it also brought back some characters who try to think to what extent you really saw them in the first raiders you know, raiders but see them a little bit more here like sala and also uh Marcus Brody, uh, Denholm Elliott's character. Uh, you also have the whole um, prologue uh, with River Phoenix playing a uh, young version of Indy. And I think that kind of sort of set up for the uh, young Indiana Jones series a few years later. I mean, not maybe in a direct kind of way, but kind of just that concept of, oh, he even went on adventures when he was a lot younger. So uh, it, it just kind of took things and made it kind of like the whole idea of like what the third film is really supposed to be is like taking like elements from before, but then putting them in a different kind of context or larger context and saying, you know, we're going to, this is what we're going to add to it to, you know, and then also the whole idea of the send off, uh, them riding, literally riding off, uh, into the sunset at the end. Also as a little side note, uh, uh, if you mentioned this, but it also made, um, I mean, it was probably popular before, but, the uh, side in Jordan where it was filmed, the Petra, uh, has become really popular. I mean, it may have been popular before if people were really into ancient history, but now because of this film, people are into it who aren't necessarily into history. They're like, oh, yeah, well, this, you know, this is from the uh, Indiana Jones film, uh, talking about the scene, you know, at the climax. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, there's definitely a lot going for this film. And, uh, it's a fun ride and a uh, fun way to kind of send off the character, uh, at least for a time. Uh, although I don't know if they really intended that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's what happens. Eh? I mean, it was really just kind of a fun, sure. fun way to send off the character, a fun ride. 
not as dark as the second film. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely good. Yeah, definitely a lighter tone to this. Much more in the spirit of the first one. Um, of course, his companion in this one is, uh, I think, uh, Femme Fatale. Elsa. Elsa, like from sorry, Frozen, yeah. except not except the Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. like uh, Alison. Also, Schl- Schlater, Schlater, something German, Oppie. Oh, the character, yeah, no, the actress. Um, oh, Alison Doty. She's the Doty, only yeah. Indiana <laughs> Jones actor on Instagram, so that's fun. She's, she'll be at Comic Con on Sunday. Oh, so, mm. Yeah, I you got your hand raised up. You first. Oh well, I just wanted to say that the big chase scene before getting to Petra was filmed very close to where I live here in the south of Spain. And I know a guy uh, that was in that shooting, or, or let's say he was a kid around, and he was around that sh- shooting when they, they shot very close to where he lived in, in Spain. And he told me, he was a cinephile, uh, we met at university, and he told me he, he had, being a, a witness to that shooting in, of the chase scene with the tanks wow. and everything. And also, yeah, here the companion in this movie is really the, the father. <laughs> it's like uh, there, is a, there is a girl, but the, really the, the, the main sidekick here is the, is the father. As before, there were two, two ladies in the, in the previous films, but yeah, here they switch it up. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I mean, the uh, Femme Fatale is really just turns out to be you know, working for the other side, obviously. So yeah, the sidekick is really is is, is Sean Connery this, and um, but some great, uh, great, great dialogue between them, and it's come kind of nice comedy, kind of nice comedy chemistry. I mean, almost like with uh, indeed the Aaron Jones character, he's always the kind of take charge guy, but then as soon as he's in the company of his father, he becomes this kind of like. Uh, surly teenagers just kind of turn, turn, right, reverting back to that father-son relationship is it's quite quite um, yeah the humor is very important between yeah. the sidekick and indiana jones in all the films yeah i think M- maybe not in so much in raiders but yeah yeah i, I, I think yeah, i think it helps kind of like you not take it too seriously because you know it's almost like running gag of jones has a phobia of snakes so Oh, he kind of like, can't really um, stand them. A hero who has very human phobias, but it, the humans obviously just they sprinkle it in just enough, so it kind of like reminds you not to take it and, and have fun as you go. But uh, yeah, I think it's a sort of movie, except maybe I think this is when it started. That probably towards the end, it's almost perfect, except that when they meet, obviously the guardian of uh, the Grail is this. Uh, 900 year old knight just standing right in front of you and at that point i'm thinking oh dear this is really a bit awkward to watch really it's a bit just it's just gone over the the um you know plausibility line for me or or, or you because you want it as grounded but maybe but in supernatural elements you don't really see it in that right just just right in front of you but here it is front and center and it seemed like Mm, a bit hokey so uh, uh, i prefer that to aliens <laughs> well we'll come to that in a minute <laughs> well come to, this is maybe the beginning of where say like, oh thank god you end it here but you know this is the, the sign of things to come let's say quite honestly as, as we saw and it gets almost exponentially worse or better oh, yes okay. yes no yes you wouldn't sorry more. just a few things i know this is an unpopular opinion 
but I think it needed more Elsa or more something because I know it was sad when she was a Nazi, but I feel like they needed more build up to that. Like, I feel like it's so much him and Indy that I wanted just something else other than those two. Um, so I wanted more of her because I think she just made it very interesting and her to the dark side, so to speak, would have been more gut wrenching. Um, but also not so fun. Very sad fact. The reason my Marcus Brody isn't in uh, the next film we're about to talk about is because his actor was dying of AIDS when he was making this. So that's why he always looks so tired. Very sad. Um, Because otherwise, I feel like he would have been in the the next movie because he liked, you know, doing these sorts of movies. Yeah, you can probably find a replacement. I mean, very good actors in their own right. But but he actually does actually get on part of the adventure himself, which is he's out of the classroom at the university. So actually quite good. And of course, he... He's an old school chum of uh, of the Sean Connery character. So, but he's actually it. It is delightful seeing him, especially when he gets lost. And you know, they come. This is seen as oh, he he has got the part of the the map to the grow. And and yeah. with any luck, he's probably got it already. He could blend in. You know, kind of build him up. Yeah. And then you see cut to him and very much an Englishman abroad. Does yeah. anyone speak English? I'm glad he actually got some really good, funny scenes in that. So, I, also, um, I also love the Venice scene. That's oh, one of my favorite scenes in the trilogy. I think it's just really cool and interesting. I also like seeing Andy as the professor and his little bow tie. This was the first one, but I like when the girl has the kiss me on her eyes. So that scene in the first movie when Indy shows up or someone shows up at Indy's store, I think it's Marcus, and Indy's in his bathrobe, that was supposed to be a scene between him and that female student. And, and then Marcus Brody comes in and interrupts it. But they deleted that because they were like, that might be not aging well. So anyway, especially because Harrison was like in his mid-30s and this was a high schooler that he's supposed to, he's supposed to teach high school or college. I forget. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, and, good, and some good, again, nice they actually put the kind of solving the puzzle solving scenes in in that library in venice so it's kind of like there's clue and again good oh the stamp he's stamping the librarian yeah. stamping the book yeah that's, that's cool. hilarious i love that but, but yeah there's again i think a lot more uh clue finding to the next part and very much the old it's almost like a game here where it's, you're trying to actually solve uh, yeah. the riddle and clues so it's very much uh, makes the spine of this movie and it, and it, it's good it was just fully put in in this one um, more so than the other two again uh, but a, a solid way to end that i think quite honestly so yes um i i think um as a trilogy it's just great to see obviously all of them ride off into the sunset and in that era closed brilliantly and and so it was yeah there was actually a lot of um it was one of those things i no, that last crusade seemed like it was always intended to be the final one. But even back in the 90s, there was a lot of like, oh, we want to do another Indiana Jones film. But they could just never get people involved or the stars literally in alignment, you know, with um, not just Harrison Ford, but also Spielberg and Lucas doing other stuff. It was just always very, very hard. And there was a lot of like talk about, oh, this person's working on or that person. I think at one point in night, Shaman was working on a draft for a, another Indiana Jones film and that didn't come to be. So it was also one of those things that people just talked about happening. It's like, kind of like what happened with Star Wars for a time uh, and again. But uh, but yeah, that's happened here. Eventually they came up with 
kingdom for better or worse <laughs> kingdom of the crystal skull so yeah so this was uh, a long gestation period for this so i mean i mean they were quite even Spielberg didn't really want to come back because he was quite happy. It ended on a high for him. But I think uh, George coerced him to, to really just come on board with this. And, and yeah. I, think, I think George took the original title was, you know, Indiana Jones and the Source of Men from Mars. And now we're, we're kind of like going to the territory of 1950s. Kind of like yeah, and, and they also, um, don't forget, in between, they also did the young Indiana Jones, uh, I guess, right. Chronicles. Sure. Uh, and I know some people have watched that and, and they've liked that for what it is uh, i know it didn't last that long but some people liked it uh and i think they've had to kind of retcon certain things because you've had films since then that kind of are like okay well on the show this but in the movies that yeah, yeah. so it's um again yes i, I mean we're, we're now we're more into kind of like i say almost sci-fi territory but you've got uh again it, it's in this one is uh against not Nazis anymore. Obviously, we moved in the time period, but it's the nineteen fifties. But it's against uh, Russians who are after again uh, this artifact, which is a crystal, the famous crystal skulls, which are uh, both forces are after them. Um, again, a race between both of them and to to, to catch this. So I think they go into more the to Prussian territory. They try and basically uh, try and uh, return this, I think, skull to. Uh, to its to to its crypt, and again a lot more psychic kind of like nonsense going along, as in skulls speaking and telling them to. to. But I I uh, think is is joined obviously. I think the psychic this time is Chief Labouf, uh, who's supposed to be a, a long lost son. And I, I think it's um I mean Chief Labouf is a, is a good Chief Labouf is a, is a good actor. I mean I think uh I don't know if uh he's kind of like Molded after kind of like a Marlon Brando, kind of like that kind of like street gang. I think there's some nice, nice scenes between initially when they get to know each other. First, they don't know their father and son, and then uh, Marion Rainwood reveals that he's his son. Um, but I, it's, it's, uh, that's because I'm trying to put the core relationship between the scene, it's probably between those two. Um, and I think, say, Kate Blanchett is the main villain there, and I think she does good, she does a, a good one, uh, maybe a bit. Wasted because they kind of, she's kind of like really just on on the heels of them, but she never they kind of like she doesn't come hugely front and center in a confrontation. What would you, I mean? What if I'm guessing, what did you think of this one, Andrew? What, what do you think? It's why it doesn't does it work for you, or what's you like? Or you? Uh, it's kind of tough because there are certain things. I mean, I I, I I I gotta be honest, I'm not like bothered by the aliens as much as it's just the whole idea of the. I guess I, I was just fine with Last Crusade being that film, and if they were going to do any films going forward, then kind of like, you know, something like with the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, just something that's maybe more of a prequel, and maybe doing with, I know this may be blasphemous to some, but just doing with a younger, a different actor. Um, maybe that's kind of why they brought in Shia LaBeouf for, uh, for this film, is, you know, he's very popular at that time because. He had just done Transformers. He had just done uh, Disturbia. So he was like this um, popular young actor. And I guess uh, they were going to maybe do something with Mutt or whatever that character's name was. Have the story continue with that. But I mean, I guess I would have just been fine. If they didn't, weren't going to end with The Last Crusade, then to do something that's maybe like a prequel, like something like early in the 20th century or something like that. Uh, that being said, I, I thought the film was okay i mean i know that uh, a lot of people make 
light of the whole nuke the fridge thing. And it does seem kind of silly, but what someone pointed out is what makes it particularly silly is that somehow Indy survives literally, you know, fridge being nuked. And yet at the same time, you see this vehicle nearby get totally demolished by the nuclear blast. It's like, how is it that this refrigerator survived, but this vehicle that was right nearby didn't? I mean, what, what material is this fridge made of? It's like a super, uh, like, you know, something out of like uh, comic books or something? I don't know how to. It may, very, very like vibranium high quality lead, I guess. Very high quality lead. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, uh, it, yeah, there are some elements which just get really silly at that point. I mean, like, like I said, the original trilogy had some good, you know, you were limited by what you could do on, on screen with physical stunts and, and practical uh, elements. But when you're kind of given a lot of uh, you know, budget and CG, you kind of like, you kind of forget physics go all the way and you know, go out the way. It, or, it, or like uh, much swinging with the monkeys and the vines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a famous meme, obviously. Yes, a swinging um, with, you know, what, with uh, Mutt trying to catch up with the, uh, uh, the, the vehicles who are racing towards the, uh, the the crystal sky is a bit where he swings through the trees and vines with monkeys and it, it, it's just very just comically it just it just feels so stupid but and and became a a meme really um yeah some some really unforgettable silly stuff with his work you also got John Hurt in there which I think kind of gets wasted he kind of like he's his old uh, following clues as as an old uh, academic colleague who's um, studied the crystal skulls and they're following you know where the skull is buried and all that but but he's obviously his mind is, is, is mixed and kind of like deranged by uh, the power of the crystal skull so he's kind of like not even talking but kind of like miming and all that as he can't speak properly or speaks in riddles it's a waste waste of, of john hurt honestly he's just a brilliant actor um uh, he could have made a good villain in this instead, but uh, but it was good to see Karen Aaron back. Well, so and I, I think at the end, obviously, they can get kind of funny. They hitch, they want to get mad. But it is, um, yeah, the climax of this is it is it's basically it's basically alien or interdimensional beings. It, it, at this point, you think, and it, it, I think it, it, you know, it, it didn't do well. Or well, it did actually financially probably a lot better than the other ones, but it it, it just critically just kind of this is too cheesy um um alfonso did you you do you like this film or well i like the middle part i think the fridge part is ridiculous and somebody should have said something to whoever had the absolute power in that movie who couldn't be told anything like the fridge is ridiculous but that somebody should have spoken to that power or something the the I don't know. I don't know how can so many people be in, in the development of a film and nobody says, take out the fridge. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's crazy. And then um, that Spiller directs it very, very, very well. I mean, I, I love all the action scenes. I love the, the acting by Kate Blanchett and basically everyone. It's very nice to look at. And then the the aliens, I think they are totally out of place. Yeah. They they don't, and it's just like they appear, they change the genre, and, and they disappear. And they are there just to say, oh, there are aliens in this film. This film. 
it, yeah, I, I agree. They're very out of place. This is like, it's not belonging. This kind of like, I mean, the, the beauty to, to those indie films originally is just keep it as grounded as possible, whatever the circumstances, as fantastical as, as maybe sometimes the climaxes get. But you kind of, you, you earned it almost by, and part of the believability is that because you kept it as grounded as possible along the way. And, and hey, yeah, or, or you use certain elements, but science fiction is none. None of them. No, I always thought also that there's a bit where there's a, there's an ant attack where they start getting attacked by ants uh, or let's say CG ants, and uh, it, it seems like oh okay well we're talking this is just like a video game it, it, it's very and um, I don't think computer graphics fit really well with this established type of style with you know Joe's in particular where you wanted this kind of old adventure and then putting these elements in it, it you know it either dates or it just takes you out of the movie. Um, but but yeah, the source of men did it just just felt odd. So it was kind of so because of the, there's been such a gap between this and the trilogy, you can almost divorce it. In, uh, but Harrison Ford is like you know pretty you know in pretty spry shape. The age of sixties in this one, but he um, definitely uh, does some some good good enough physicality in there. Especially, I mean, the most interesting part is especially when they're trying to find the actual a body which has the original skull in it and it, they go to the area 51 and it, a lot of almost some puzzle solving with it's magnetic so they have to use gunpowder or the bullets to go away so it's kind of, if they kept it on the floor it'd be good but it's kind of like very much uh, a, a good action scene there him swinging around and and, and it seems to quite land quite a punch <laughs> as you know, as he can um but uh, yeah my least favorite I think still is, um, honestly. Right. Uh, anyone else uh, have any thoughts on this one? If you've seen it, uh, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, nothing yeah. more. Nothing more I can add to it. But just this film was really goofy. <laughs> I found it really goofy watching it. Uh, I think Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's he's not. I mean, I guess he's way older in this film, but he's still got that energy, you know, with him. And I guess you could tell Harrison Ford really likes Indiana Jones, like as a character. But yeah, the film is just good. I just found it really goofy. <laughs> um, just swinging on vines, a lot of CGI. It didn't look, it looked like, um, I know, like, I know, like, lots of people say, like, this Star Wars films, especially the prequels, like, there's bits in it where it's all just the background is completely CGI. And it's, it's really difficult to tell, like, you know, what's real and what's not real i kind of feel i kind of wish they had gone back to like all right this film is like real like let's not have green screen and fake stuff let's actually like try and make a kind of realistic issue type film but i mean yeah the film's a bit goofy um i think it's okay to watch i don't think it's completely horrible but yeah it's just goofy aliens and stuff I, I don't know. it's uh yeah i, I think this scene doesn't really work with real Events. I mean, you know, obviously, in the original films, they're kind of real locations from parts of the world. You can tell, and it's just it grounds it. Where here, you've got a lot of background scenery, you know, which you see, and so on, and and artifacts and buildings. You can tell it. There's a tangibility there that's been fun. Um, but yeah, but anyway, that that was about 2008. That quite a gap. So we thought that would be the end of that. Oh, um, I just oh, I just want to add one other thing because you're sure. mentioning like yeah, how good. Yeah, Harrison Ford looked for, you know, his age and all that. But uh, I guess you could say I had the same thing with Karen Allen. I mean, she seemed to age fairly oh. well 
for this film and beautiful and yeah and yeah and she uh does quite a bit in this film mm. uh so it's not just you know indie but also uh marion as well and, and she's a big part of the story so yeah yeah she yeah. actually wanted to do more for the current indiana jones film but i forget it for whatever reason that <laughs> didn't work out but uh but yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. She's it was so glad to see. Her. I was like, wow, you're really good. I mean, I, yeah, you wish like you wouldn't mind her being in 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 the, you know if they did a series of, if they ever did a series of films back in the day together in that era, even they wouldn't mind. Her. Hey, this, again, yep, she, she, you can see she's the, this is the favorite. Um, quite a perfect match for for Harrison Ford's energy and presence. Um, so credit to her. Um, yes. Well, uh, apart from that, so that was 2008. Obviously. Anyone in their right mind would not make another one after that. However, that's not our reality. Uh, in this year, it's uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Again, a long gestating project. Should it be made? Should it not? Of course, post then, I mean, since then it was uh, Disney had acquired Lucasfilm. And I think the pressure was on with all these properties to churn out another film and to get back on their investment. Um, I think the what the budget of this was around close to three hundred million. A lot of reshoots. I think this was almost like about being completed a year ago. But then a lot of reshoots with the script and so forth. And of course, a lot of of course in the age of the internet, a lot of stories. Um, so I, you know, when I was wanting to watch, well, I went to see this recently, and I was thinking, you know, is this really? Uh, you know, you expect a disaster on this, you know? So you can go, and then you hear. I didn't hear that much good news about it, but I thought just get it over and done with. But um, after coming out of the theater, I'm thinking it's not bad. It's quite fun. Um, I think once you've you've you've, you've traveled through <laughs> the goofiness of the Crystal Skull, you you don't have your quality. You're in a whole different era. You're you're calibrated to, to maybe not so be so critical of it. Um, again, Harrison Ford. I think we joined him uh, in India at the end of his retirement and being called for one last adventure by his goddaughter for Archimedes' dial of, well, it's a dial of destiny device, or rather it came like a device which you can predict fissures in the earth and maybe show you where portals are to time. So we did aliens in space. What next? Let's do time. That's probably what the uh, was. Um, again, it's not Spielberg directing this time. Enough is enough, I think, for him, he said. So I think it's James Mangold. So um, bravely taking on the reins. Quite a good director in his own right. Um, let's have some thoughts then. I'm guessing for those who've seen it, what did you think? Uh, Andrew or Alfonso or CJ, what did you think of Ian Jones and the Dial of Destiny? It was, it was better than the... Uh, I think it was better than Crystal Skull. I mean, I mean, it was all right. I mean, I don't know if I'll remember this one down the road, but... Uh, I mean, I like the prologue or, I mean, the de-aging process, uh, whatever, notwithstanding, I thought it was a good prologue kind of flashback to uh, World War II era, Indiana Jones, and the adventures he had, you know, because that was something that was never actually depicted, really, like during World War II, it was sort of like before. So here you actually see uh, Indiana Jones during World War II on a mission and dealing with that. And so that's the prologue, and then you uh, jump ahead 20-something years to the late 60s. And, uh, uh, I mean, it was, was okay. I mean, uh, like some moments, and uh, you had uh, 
I guess it's maybe not a spoiler since it's on the poster, but uh, Antonio Banderas uh, playing a friend of Indy's and, you know, him coming into the story. So, I mean, I thought it was all right. Um, I wasn't bothered by the time element as much. I thought it was what it was. But ultimately, I don't know if I'll remember this kind of down the road. It'll just be like, yeah, I saw it. It was all right, but it's not going to really hold anything too deep in my memory, I guess. Um, Alfonso, is this your new favorite here, Jones? No, <laughs> no, no not no? my new favorite. I thought it was good. I thought it was, it got me emotional by the very end with the last scenes. And uh, I appreciated that because to me, it ended on a high note in that sense. Uh, I really thought Phoebe Waller-Bridge was a very welcome addition in that sense of a sidekick that really held her own and, and got charisma to spare during the, during the film. And I think it is very interesting just the fact that Indiana Jones is a character that has been played through so, throughout so many decades by, by Harrison. And even we even have the young Indiana Jones on TV. So it's like, uh, how, it's a character that you see grow up, literally. I don't know if there are, there is somebody out there who has played a character for so long, or a, or a or a leading man that would have played a hero. I I know that now we are in the times of Stallone doing Rambo when he's sixty and and Schwarzenegger, but I think this case is even longer in time. It is interesting, and I think it goes against ages and in general. So, so. thumbs up for that. And such a physical role. This is not. This is not a you know behind the desk giving advice. The sage, but this is someone really just you know running, shooting. I know of course you got stuntman here, but you. you, I mean, it doesn't hide away from age. I think Harrison Ford said he would do this because he wanted really to is to address the question of age. Quite honestly. And quite, it begins where, you know, obviously you have this initial sequence of where it's the age, you know, Indiana Jones in his prime and his glory days of yesteryear, with some, some you know, CG, which some, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, but it's actually it's a good enough job, I suppose, to remind you of the patient at least. But then I much appreciated when it was then physicality, it was Harrison, even doing this stance or part of them or whatever, but it was, you know, him emoting running, ducking, whatever, it, it, that seemed really just more exciting than the CG 20-minute part, which... Um, yeah, uh, I wonder what would be what would be longer than this in the future. Like, will Tom Cruise be doing Mission Impossible 55? And he's like 99? I think these actors who really enjoy that role enjoy what they can do with it, especially when they have a bit more control, creative element as a producer. Uh, yes, I think we'll see <laughs> to stop gun in space, I'm sure. Probably fighting aliens, I'm sure. Mission Impossible. Yeah, and if time. it makes money as well. So. <laughs> if yeah. it makes money, yeah. I, I, the yeah, Fast I mean, and the Furious 47. Well, sure, why not? Yeah. If they keep their budget under control, yeah, you can make a decent profit. Unfortunately, this film has made... Um, I mean, the opening weekend's about maybe 60 million, which is not bad for a smaller budget film, and which, which would have been almost, I don't know if it's possible with these types of big 
blockbuster genre films of the 80s when they realize in modern day, you know, with the effects and other, and just the practically what's needed, it's to keep budgets under the control where they're profitable. That, that's the thing. And also, you, you, who's this? Is it aimed at a younger market who maybe are not have that love of you know just growing up? That, you know, and Mario Brothers did really well. I think that's on one point billion this year, but it is that's you know a lot a younger. It's basically a lot of kids going to that seeing their hero on the screen, but. Yeah, I mean, we're talking an older demographic. Yeah, it's not aimed at the younger crowd, and it has been the like the the proof is in the pudding of the box office. It's actually also it has also bombed in China, where the previous ones were not have not been released. So it's running on nostalgia. Yeah, it it, it is. But I mean, it's funny how the Crystal Skull made its money because I think it was it it was a time when you had enough of the cinema, you know, the main demographic or the main numbers of the audience was still had a lot of nostalgia for, you know, and, and curiosity just to see what would happen. And and boy, were they for in uh, for surprise. So m- maybe on the back of that, they think, oh, after that debacle, I really don't want this. It's probably not going to be better than that. So maybe they stayed away. So, but but I've got to say, yeah, th- this film is actually much better than. Crystal Skull. Um, again, it's uh, yeah with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, she's quite sparky, kind of a brassy uh, character, a bit sociopathic, I think. So that's probably why <laughs> I I can't quite warm to her as in someone to take the mantle of Ian <laughs> Jones. I don't um, think she will. I, yeah, I, I don't think she will. I think it just I, I think it's that mix of charm and gravitas. Uh, and just investment where you invested in the stakes with Harrison Ford, which he seems to invest in, 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 in despite the fantastical uh, situations. Um, I think it's key to making this work, this character work, honestly. It can be such a cardboard cutout character. Even if you look at some of the films from the 50s, there's one of Charlton Heston where he actually has a trilby and leather jacket, and I was watching it. So that's where George got it from. It's his film from the 1950s. Again, this kind of rip-roaring adventure. It's also, it's also interesting that this series has always been set in the past. So this also helps because if it was in the present time, it would be, I think it would be more difficult to buy into Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones in, in like, I don't if everything was kind of the, like an homage to the, to the fifties, uh, serials on TV or this adventure series, uh, Saturday morning or something like that. So it kind of began playing homage to an older adventure kind of genre, and it and it has kept always being in that in that vein. Vein. So it's interesting that it has always been kind of a blast to the past, in a sense, the whole series from the beginning. And it has always worked with the same elements, more or less. So you can always rely on it in the sense that it will always be set in a nostalgic past, an adventure past. It changes its timeless kind of quality of, yes, it can exist. You, you give it a license because it is set in that, like that archetype, you know what it's going for. It's kind of a homage, yeah, it's, it's a homage to those. Even in 1981, it's a homage to those, you know, the series of the 40s. You, 
you you give it a a, a pass in you know how it's how believable it is and you, you can you you you've given license permission to this is what I've come to see and this I know it's it, it's based in that era so you you can give it license um it, a bit more of a modern feel to this one I mean it's 1969 but it's okay you've got Nazis occurring who 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 seem to of course, again, yeah, the Dalai Destiny, they want to, well, their grand plan is to um, to go back to the beginning of um, out of Hitler's kind of like inception of World War II, but kill him, which doesn't make them the good guys, I don't know, but kill him and then do the, <laughs> do the war correctly with the right, you know, make the moves that he didn't. And That um, is such a bad plan, by the way. <laughs> That, that was actually the subject of, a, there was actually a book by Stephen Fry, I think. It's like an alternate history novel. And it basically was like the whole idea of like, oh, if you kill Hitler, then you'll prevent you know, World War II and all the other stuff, the Nazis. And in that novel, that turns out to not be the case. So I don't know if that's where they got the idea from for this film. But I was it does bring up another issue unrelated to that, but just the idea of, and I guess we're doing spoilers here, um, since you're mentioning that. Uh, how is it that they knew exactly that they would travel back to 1939 and not some other time period? I think um, due to the dial of where, I think, I know there were some figures or dates written by uh, the father of Helena, the character of Helena, uh, who maybe mapped it to the coordinates of what you were dialing it into. I mean, all it does... That mechanism. I'm glad the mechanism itself did not generate a portal, which I thought, please don't do that. But it does. It just shies away from. It's a kind of like what a compass. It just shows you where these features are, and maybe for some reason, not that it's all this is any explained. I'm sure it just shows you maybe this goes back to this point. Although this is all very vague, I I, I actually do not know. Yeah, like uh, why didn't it occur to them that like oh maybe it would just send them to like a random time. In this case. It was set to the default time, the siege of Syracuse. So well, it, it seemed it was like very precise because, and then he remarks when they're all going in a plane, going into this time fissure that you you don't know where you end up because of continental drift. So well, I, guess, I don't think that's how continental drift works. I'm reading about that. So no, I, I don't think so either. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't think it worked. Got yeah. to that conclusion, quite honestly. But um, anyway, at that point, I think you just have to put your brain into your. Backpack and just go oh, like along. the uh, yeah. MSP3K like, mantra. And is, nobody, nobody was going to explain that to me, so I just assumed, like, okay, <laughs> they, got, they got it wrong somehow. And I think then, of course, another big, uh, you could almost say goofy, but I kind of like just went for it this time. I, I was allowed to, I was having, like, because you'd already been calibrated to just not hold it to any kind of standard, like the previous ones, let's just go with. They actually do go travel back in time or through this fissure to to, to ancient uh, Italy and I think uh, or, or Greece actually is but it's um Asterikis, have, yeah yeah you have the invasion of the Roman Romans with where Archimedes is and um, so we actually have time travel and you're thinking so that would split a lot of audiences uh, but if you don't welcome that. I guess you have no business going into this film, I think, honestly. But he obviously, in the climax, he does meet Archimedes and he decides he wants to stay there. Helena, his goddaughter, has other plans. Um, it's more of, a, more of a touching moment that I think, you know, I know she, she kind of 
forces him back, she just wallops him. But it's kind of that's the more emotional part where she seems to show some emotion where it kind of like say, Well, why, why I've got no one to come back to, and then she kind of gives him a look, said, No, it's it's me, I come back, and and I guess Marion and so forth. But um, it's I mean, it kind of like worked. I think the end didn't work, I, I think it, it was good that he came back. It, it is funny why he would think it's a good idea to stay because knowing him, well, I mean, the murder charges in the present, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, well, and, and also it's there's a the this kind of current. I mean, something going underneath the surface there of depression after being like retired and just mm. uh, so it's interesting how it everything comes out in that scene in that sense of like yeah. well here I, I think like I have a purpose or or I don't know what what, what it was. Yeah, it wasn't kind of like, yeah, any quick answer, but it was kind of like, yeah, it, it's the most in-depth of kind of scenes of, of indie character. If you're trying to push him into three dimensions, what do you do at this stage of your life? And you, besides the whole glamour of, you know, location hopping and so forth, traveling, what do you do at that stage of your life? Where, what's your purpose? Um, yeah. He felt like he up. had nobody. Yeah, yeah he didn't have anyone. But then at the end, he kind of like friends and family get around. And, it's right. and of course... Uh, Karen Ann makes a place again looking very good and you know kind of like relive that scene in the first movie you know where does it hurt kind of like a kind of a tender kind of right romantic scene there uh internal pain and so forth but it's uh I it, it's it's a good it's fine I was expecting the worst I know there's a lot of online hate about this I think it apparently it was going to be a much worse <laughs> ending than this so I think this is why the delay and a huge budget of reshoots, um, you know, a bit off, off base, but I kind of like, I, I, I gotta say, Antonio Banderas in this, who, who would be a friend of Indiana Jones, where you just turn up, you haven't seen him for ages, and say, hey, hello there, and you help him, and then within within 12 or 24 hours, your crew is dead and you're dead. It's, it's, it's not great. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's, no wonder Salah moved to New York, just to be surrounded. By uh, you know some some safe safe walls or whatever, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, I it I, I don't it's a shame a waste of Antonio Banderas there, but I guess he just wanted to be in it. Whatever happens. Yeah, exactly. I thought um, that, I think I thought the, the same thing. I thought that Antonio Banderas was a fan of the of the <laughs> franchise and he just wanted to to play something. Yes, um, a lot of a bit of puzzle solving here as well, which I kind of like. We've got to be kind of displayed some water and the fulcrum. I thought that was a nice scene in the Caves of Sicily, so it was good. It did pack a lot in there. It is a too long film, it's two hours and a half. I think you can appreciate the skill of Spielberg when you got action scenes which have a good initial premise, but they just go on too long. They go on so long that you start not enjoying the, the action. Scenes. So I think maybe Mangold. Very good at drama, very good at maybe more low-key drama and action, but with this, I think a bit of a misjudge with some of the editing in cutting scenes when they shoot. Isn't, isn't Mango the guy who directed Logan? Yes, yes, that's correct. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't seen the film. Um, I don't really mind the spoilers. Um, I might see it when it goes on Disney Plus or, or something, but I don't know. It just feels like sad indiana jones and he's not having a, i don't know that just doesn't really seem appealing it to sounds me. like it and then we're all fearing that but i think he caused the, this um agency to him trying to almost protect helena his goddaughter from herself who's kind of like almost zealous in what she wants 
and maybe trying to improve her character. So he, it, it, you don't get that huge, but it's only towards the end it gets a bit more reflective. It is a good film to watch on a Saturday, after, and probably that is the B.O. and end of it, which is basically, maybe ironically, what those original, it was originally based on. Just a Saturday more forgettable cinema cliffhanger that kids would see, you know, in the 30s, 40s originally. And that's it. You watch it, enjoy it, eat your candy, and forget about it. Basically, that's what this is. The original films are become classics for, you know, um, because you have a huge amount of talent and great writing, great, basically all the elements just working together and all part of filmmaking. But this one is a Saturday afternoon serial film and you watch it, have fun, don't take it too seriously, and then you leave the theatre. People online are saying that um, Indiana Jones's legacy has been... I guess destroyed or decimated, or uh, that got killed in the last film, so it's too late for that. Yeah, okay. Ended perfectly in that the trilogy, in the first trilogy. It kind of, it um, you really everything else is just more was like fan fiction. But I mean, there, there were so many stories that was born after that in video games, in books, in comics, um, TV series. Um, could the character be of being played by someone else? And, you know, it's just a very tricky ask for someone to say. I, I think, I think um, the, because I remember with the solo film where they tried to replace uh, Solo with a younger actor. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think they're a bit hesitant about that because these, these characters, Han Solo and Indiana Jones, are basically Harrison Ford. Like, he has that charisma and he's the one that keeps his characters going. Yeah, a hard act to follow, many possible ones. Right. Well, I think we've come to the end of this adventure. I want to thank our host for joining me. And if you've uh, never seen any John Jones films, then I hope maybe check out the first three, at least. <laughs> And uh, and maybe um, you can see us next time and we'll do another special. But thank you for joining me and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this film and TVReview.com episode. Catch the latest film and TV reviews together with regular episode content from the world of film and TV every week. See you soon. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today.